E-N-F-R. BostonFreeRadio.com. This is Guillermo Hamlin. This is the top of the hour. I am here with Cesar Vargas, a writer, critic, all-around internet flamethrower, and I'm glad to have him on the show. But I'd like to give the floor to you so our listeners can know who is Cesar Vargas and why you should be involved with him, and i.e., not that Cesar Vargas. So, <laughs> so let's go ahead and just give... A lot of people do confuse us. Uh, you know, when I write my articles, they think as uh, the other Cesar Vargas, who's a dreamer, a lawyer, like the first undocumented lawyer in the, in New York City. I don't think he's documented anymore. I think he got his, his papers. But, um, you know, yeah, he's he's got a bigger profile than me. He's in the media all the time talking about, uh, for the most part, immigration, you know, the Latino community. But I write uh, for also about all sorts of things. Um, mostly, I've been an advocate for the Latino community. And I think it was a couple of years ago about four or five years ago when I started sort of like delving more about, you know, race and, and nationality, uh, you know, within the Latino community. Before that, I was just writing in a sense that it's just like, uh, we're all the same, you know, which is not true. Uh, we're all sort of like treated the same, even though I knew about colorism, even though I knew about, you know, even sexism within, within our own, uh, uh, ethnicity, you know, because there's like multiple ethnicities within the Latino community as well. So yeah, I've been writing about that a couple of years up. I don't know how many, about 10 years ago, I was just ranting on Facebook and I was tapped by the journalist uh, friends that I have. And they would ask, they would ask me, you know, can you, you want to write for this paper? Uh, what is your opinion on this? You know, instead of like posting it on Facebook, might as well write it for, for a magazine or something. And then it just, you know, it took off like that. I actually went to school for film school. <laughs> so, you know, but I've read so much. Like, I've read a lot uh, uh, when it comes to uh, culture, race, ethnicity, science. So you know, it keeps me sort of informed of what's happening within, you know, the United States and outside. And the one thing I really enjoy is the way that you just delve right into the ways that class, the way that race, the way that uh, first generation filmmakers, what they have to deal with, you know, just trying to deal with any sort of entry into the industry and the industry being video filmmaking writing any sort of creative mm-hmm. outlet I, I personally appreciate the way that you are willing to go against this sort of prejudicial thinking that in many ways we adopt and by us and by we yeah. I mean latinos that we put on Absolutely. these lenses that really allow us to self-hate while imitating <laughs> mediocrity and and in some ways it's a uh, very double it's very painful to even say it but i i appreciate the way that you just go right in and just lampoon it well thank you thank you i appreciate that and a lot of people you know sort of like that criticized west supremacy on, on, on one side and then there are a lot of things within within the community that if you want to advance as a people you know we have to look 
look in and say, you know, we adapted a lot of uh, maladaptive behaviors as well and things that we do. Like, we, like you just said, you know, there's a lot of, uh, even though we're exposed to data, which just like blows my mind, even though we're exposed to the writing of, you know, uh, advocates and, and, and brilliant folks out there, we sort of like, we don't apply those things to, to our work. We don't apply those things to even the, you know, Latino media, even uh, 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 when it comes to orgs, Latino orgs, we don't apply those things to, to Latino uh, uh, businesses. And it just boggles my mind, you know, that that we uh, uh, the things that we don't want to be seen in disarray, right? Sort of like, oh, you guys are accusing us of being of doing this or having some sort of discrimination for marginalized people. But look at the things that you're doing within too. You're sort of like being hypocritical because you're calling us out. But then again, within your ranks, you sort of like do the same thing. And I can tell you, you know, there's this brown women can tell you black. Latinas can tell you, brown Latinas can tell you as well that, you know, even when they enter Latino spaces, when it, when it comes to orgs, when it comes to our business, when it comes to the media, who do you see running those spaces? It's, it's, it's light-skinned, mostly uh, light-skinned folks because they have the proximity to sort of like white America as well. Even, I mean, there are studies on this that, uh, uh, you know, the lighter you are, there are certain neighborhoods that you can move into, even if you have Spanish surname. So even when it comes to gigs and jobs, Yes, there is going to be some sort of like cultural cultural discrimination because you're Latino because of your name. But uh, 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 when you don't present yourself, when people see you and they see you that you're lighter than other people, you're more likely to get into the door. And especially as a Latino, because if you have the Latino name, they're like, okay, this person can represent the Latino community. So what do you see for the most part? People who are light-skinned. I can navigate a lot of spaces, right? as the light skin sort of like Afro-Latino. And even in a, uh, speaking of a lot of Latinidad, a lot of people would say, okay, he looks like, you know, he's, he's, he's brown, he's probably like mestizo. <laughs> uh, he, uh, you know, and that's why I was able, I had the privilege to enter a lot of spaces because of that. You know, but once I started talking about the racism within the Latino community, they hate it. Right? Especially the more you, you know, the más blanco, mm -hmm. the more they hate it. And you know, we know that in Latin yeah. America, in different parts, you whether it be Chile, Brazil, it was something that was just a thing. And I think it's like it's antiquated racism mixed mm -hmm. with self colorism. I don't get it. Yeah. I remember growing up, you know, Christina was the whitest lady I knew. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's all you see on TV, you know, Spanish speaking. Although now there are some like slight changes that are finally sort of like coming around. Not in Latin America, but here at the, the, the country that is created here in the United States. But yeah, yeah, we, we hate speaking about it. I mean, until now, I hear it all the time. Instead of like you can speak about being part of being Latino or Latino, uh, you can speak about your nationality, that's fine. But once you start going into sort of like uh, race and colorism, then people have some sort of allergic reaction to it, and they do all sorts of things to sort of like sabotage you and what you're doing in uh, in your work environment, for instance, to sort of like uh, make you look bad. You're sort of like the hot-headed Latino within the hot-headed Latino stereotype. So, so, so we're sort of like acting like you know the same people that we're fighting against and the same people that, that, that we are you know getting paid. We're sort of like putting down the same people that we're getting paid to represent. And that, yeah, so that's what I've been written for, about for the, for the last uh, couple of years. And then one thing I appreciate is the fact that you're actually trying to find for complexity. There's nuance, but at the same time, your writing mm -hmm. delves deep into just a moral clarity. That when it comes to like a uh, European colonization, that it incentivized the need for 
assimilation to their preferences. And that's a really kind way of saying beat them into dressing the way that they wanted them to dress, beat them into adopting the Spanish language. That led to, in my opinion, the way that Latin Americans see themselves and in many ways mm -hmm. leads to the antiquated notion that we have with ourselves. It's the way I see, you know, Dominicanos or uh, Puerto Ricanos say, you know, somos hispano. And it's, it's just like that weird mm -hmm. little subtlety culturally that I'm like, huh, hispano. Okay. <laughs> when at many times yeah. there's this sort of sense of identity. How does one identify as Latino without un packing that history i have both names that are colonialistic tengo guillermo and a hamlin so both these names are like competing in their colonialism in the united yeah, states yeah. you're entering a new area where you're having to deal with the colonialism for a separate group of people and your latinidad in some ways can be activated due to the state you're in or the proximity of some sort of struggle but for a great many other Latinos, they just blend in. And there was this article that talks about how, like, are Hispanics the new white? But at the same time, I don't see Latinos actually fighting it. I see Latinos in some way kind of either shirking it off or counting down the days so they can get that beneficio. Yeah, I mean, uh, I like what you said about new ones. Uh, I mean, it sort of like becomes cliche at this point within our circles, the people that we read about, right? But uh, when it comes to the majority of people, they're not exposed to that. I mean, it's just uh, the fact that we, it's, it's beyond that. It's beyond sort of like immigration, for instance. What are we always talking about? Once you come to this country, people just come to this country. Uh, they don't want to learn the, uh, the language or, or you know, the, get in line before you get here. And sort of like we, we see the United States as this vacuum and immigration as a vacuum, too that people just come here to get a, a, a better life. Yeah, that's true. Uh, what is the U.S., for instance? What, what is the, the, the you know, imperialism and, and, and our own immigration policy? What has it done to our countries for us to flee here? You know, when it comes to destabilizing a, a, a lot of countries within Latin America, you know, that's why a lot of people are fleeing Latin America, not just because of, of oh, you know, you want to get a, a better life out here. Uh, and, and but you, the U.S. is very much involved with that, and 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 the history that you're saying of colonialism as well. We sort of like bring it with us too. It, it comes with us when we come in here, and a lot of people, most of the people that come to to the United States from Latin America, usually come from like poor communities, and they're sort of like um, yeah, fleeing uh, poverty or violence. And most of them aren't really educated in of being, you know, having like the Spanish. Uh, 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 leaning uh, ideals and stuff like that because we've been that's what we look for that's what we look after sort of like la, la maria patria which is the motherland out there so a lot of people i know a lot of people too here that come here and usually you know they're very dark skin uh uh mestizos or latinos too and they always trace back their history to spain and that's the first thing they go by they never say you know i'm knowing if it's the indigenous folks of latin america that i'm from i'm not from this tribe well, I'm from this part of Africa, you know, you can say, I think for me, I say, you know, I can say both, even though I identify as a Latino, but, you know, because of, of, of colonialism, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, rape and pillaging, that's how we came to be. It, it, it's a lot more nuanced than just, you know, being Latino and then we're countries in Latin America and we're here because we just want to have a better life, you know. Definitely. And the one thing that comes, you know, what I appreciate about bringing you on because you bring the Afro-Latino diaspora with you you bring with you that tradition the you know indigenous Afro-Latino what I 
what I bring is the pitter-pattering of the typical Blanc Latino. I come from a family of like European Latinos. For my mom's side, she was intergenerationally Paraguay, but it's deeply rooted in this European stew that informs the great deal of her Latinidad, as it did my father, who's from Buenos Aires, Argentina. Once you bring in class and race and the immigration, first-generation experience, you know, you have these intersections that inform a great deal of what goes into their Latinidad. Is there any reconciliation for Latinidad in general, depending on where you come from? Me personally, I think uh, Blanc Latinos need to step it up and just speak out because they're just kind of riding a wave of lazy thinking. I, I, I don't know how best to describe yeah, I, it. I, I don't know, please uh, delve into this because I think you can really get into this too because I, I just see a lot of white Latinos just either blending in, they don't really care, and they don't really mm -hmm. like to pay back, and they whip out their, their, their abuela from Spain, their abuela from Argentina, their abuela <laughs> from Uruguay. They whip that out right when it's convenient. I never see them at the asado. I never see them doing anything else. I, I'm, I'm barely at the asado. I'm, I'm too busy working. <laughs> really? I totally, I know, I know what you mean. I mean, you, you like what you're doing right now is it's just like what I suggest a lot of people to do. Even with, for me, man, I do have a lot of privileges and a lot of like you know, like them, like them have a lot of privileges. And once you get into certain spaces, right, then what you do is sort of like recommend people, uh, profile people, like what you're doing right now is a perfect like, example of that. Of you know, you're profiling someone and you're discussing this. Uh, you know, and then hiring people with that, that, that you know aren't, uh, wouldn't normally get hired in, into certain uh, places. Uh, and then there are a lot of similarities within the, I mean, in the community culturally, we have a lot of things that are in common. Uh, you, you know, but there's, there are a lot of things within, too, that we, we need to fix and we need to work on that. And, and yeah, I recommend, one of the things that I recommended, too, is sort of like, let's say you're on a panel, which is in one of my writings that I wrote. Uh, and you're a Latino, right, on a, on a panel, and everyone looks blonde and with green eyes, uh, and they're supposed to be with the center of the Latino community, then you got to be like, oh, I don't know what I want to be on this panel, because it's, we're not really representative of, of everyone. How many women are there? If, I, if it's mostly men, I'm like, no, I don't think I want to be on this panel. You have to go against the grain. You have to go against that mentality. Otherwise, we're never going to progress, you know, doing what you're doing right now, uh, telling and hire people. And not just hire people, uh, you know, let them have a voice within whatever entity it is that you have. And not only have a voice, you know, because even when, when, when we are hired, for instance, even for Latinos go through that, women go through that of, of, of any color. When you're in, in, in an establishment, you're hired in there, yeah, you, they hire you sort of like a desk meet. You don't have a voice, you don't have a say. And even when you do, you say something about your condition or what's happening around you that you don't like. You're penalized for that. And there are studies in this too. You're penalized for, for advocating for, you know, people of color. You're, you're penalized for advocating for women, you know. And even women, even within the structures of women, you know, the hierarchy, the lighter you are, if you're like a white Latina too, you know, even you are going to treat people under you that are sort of like uh, uh, of different hues uh, differently. And you penalize them as well for like different things that, that, that you just don't want you know, people at the same level as you. And it's just, we, we're all fighting sort of like to be on top of who's, who's going to be oppressing of other people, you know, which is nonsense. It's, it's crazy to me. Especially if you're fighting as a marginalized community, you have to look within and say, you know what, I'm going through this. 
then maybe I shouldn't do this to other people too. Exactly, you have to just lead by example, and I think that's ultimately what it is. I always see like yeah. uh, for some reason you have like people who are just entrenched in hating any advancement or they're invested <laughs> in the counter reactionary narrative you know you know like like the type where you always see like con- these really young conservative millennials and the moment they open their mouth they're like ah oh, that's old money talking you know just, you know that sort of <laughs> so that's I just feel like when I see that I just I feel like there's a sense of needing to cultivate your own way and that means leading by example. And I know by my example, I my need to have representation is not rooted in, in the need to virtue signal. No, it's because the representation is rooted in merit. It's rooted in our ability to mutually achieve a, bit, a mission. And it's very clear that there is a great many number of people where the left, in my opinion, have not been doing the work needed aside from electoral politics to really have mm-hmm. a prevailing narrative that demonstrates them achieving and accomplishing things in their value system rather than just beating us over the head about these values but then they're compromised frequently and oftentimes it's people of color who are left high and dry for the desires of you know the usual white corporate uh democratic class yeah i mean yeah it's, it's, it's the things that you're saying you're within a lot of industry industries those sort of like if you don't have i don't know if this is what you mean if you don't have the same values as the establishment you know and comillas, if you don't have the, the the same values even though they're they're sort of like telling people telling everyone uh they they put out a pr we have an x amount of, of of, of people of color here, of women here, you know, but they don't actually uh, uh, say how those people are being treated within or who is being chosen to be the representative of our community. And usually people that are chosen to be representative of our communities are sort of very much, uh, uh, I don't want to say Americanized because we've been part of this nation for like such a long time. So we're very, very American too, uh, you know, but if you, if you don't have this sort of like white supremacist values, uh, you know, if you don't think exactly like that, you're not going to catch a break. And one of the things that I've been mentioning before, too, is that when it comes to conservative America, let's say Fox News, for I've seen more Latino pundits on Fox News than MSNBC or, or CNN. Uh, you understand what I'm saying? Even though I, I, I guess they're not such a, such a perfect example for that because the people that I've seen in there, uh, they are very uh, left leaning and they, they speak with authority about Latino like, for instance. But, um, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, uh, liberal America or liberal uh, establishment, uh, they're very, they're, they're super centrist, too. Well, I think they're that's because of the people's 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 money. They, 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 they understand that. Because, yeah, 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 because of the money. Because you, yeah. you have Latinos who have to basically scrounge together grassroots funding and when they're already at a disadvantage. Meanwhile, you have people who have money from other means, inheritance, and so forth that can basically supplement a grassroots movement for other non-people-of-color candidates. And they're having to be more progressive than 
other white males mixed with having to raise as much money as them, which is really hard to do. And then the moment they touch one little bit of corporate money or any money that makes them slightly no longer as virtuous or something like that, they're demonized. Yeah, yeah. And, 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 yeah, and, and I'm not trying to be pro-money in politics in the least. I, yeah, I know. But, 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 but at the same time, I see this little petty moment, and I'm like, Jesus, Like this is why we lose. <laughs> It is true. It is true what you say. Uh, yeah, one of the things I meant to say is that you know Republicans or conservatives they tend to welcome welcome us into their wings, you know. But as long as you're spotting their, their own narratives, right? As long as uh, you're welcome at the table, as long as you're saying the same thing they're saying, and a lot of you know it could be a lot of stuff destructive uh, things. And then on the other side, yeah, the money uh, uh, sort of like affects a lot of us too, uh, you know, because we try to sort of like survive and live. And we're not going to get these positions of power. We're not going to get sponsorships if we don't instead of like leaning to a little to the right. You know, it is, it is difficult. And it is, uh, uh, I understand, you know, like what a lot of people say they're bipartisan, and it's not really true. They're very uh, right leaning uh, when it comes to that, when it comes to uh, money and in everywhere, not just like politics. You have to uh, sort of like, you can't. You can't be out there, you know, like shooting your guns and being all wild and, and calling out people, you know. So I understand that. But then again, you know, if you want to, like the Latino community, right, it's always talking about, oh, the African-American community has this and that. Uh, you know, they have a lot more say when it comes to the media. They're more in there when it comes to uh, uh, politics. Uh, but with us, it's sort of like every time we have someone that's actually, you know, saying it like it is, we are sort of like, we, we, we don't want to get near them. They have like the plague now. Except for certain people that white America has validated. For instance, like Ocasio-Cortez, right? Yeah. Before she, she won the, you know, the primary, uh, people were like, you know, I don't want to touch her. She's like, you know, she's got the plague of, of self-righteousness, of, of righteous indignation, right? She was like a little corner in New York. And then as, as soon as, like, the white, uh, even liberal media uh, started, like, uh, giving her uh, uh, her profile, making it bigger, then everyone can claim her. Oh, my God, yeah, she's Latino. She's one of us. People <laughs> don't, don't say anything. But, you know, that's what happens with us, that we're sort of, like, here in the Oscars, uh, uh, fighting for the Latino community and trying to better the Latino community, um, you, you, you know, but people don't want to touch you. You know, people don't want to put you, people don't want to profile you. People are always sort of, like, sabotaging you. And then there are some people within the Latino community in, in, in places of, of power uh, that can you sort of like, you know what, I'm going to hire this person. I'm going to give this person a platform, you, you, you know, to hear what, so people can hear what they have to say. There are, there are very few, probably a handful of people. And even then, they're under a lot of pressure from their own people to sort of like control those people too. They're like, oh, you're bringing this person on board. Uh, you're giving this person a profile. You're giving this person a, a, a job. But then, you know, uh, uh, they're saying certain things that are going to affect us with our sponsors or something. They're going to say, they're saying certain things or doing certain things that, that is not aligned with, with our message. Which, so it's all bullshit, of course. It's all bullshit because if, if you don't, instead of like, you know, the Alma case and the Markham X and all the, the black activists of, of yesteryears, even the lawyers worked as a system you know, there were a lot of people in the communities who, who, you know, hated their guts. So, but they were the ones who managed to sort of like move the needle, you know, change it to move things forward for us, right? So you have these people that are the experts, 
moving things forward for, for us, but they were broke. <laughs> so <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? They were broke. They were broke. They didn't have nobody, even people. Even you know, I've seen videos of Malcolm X. You know, even within their other like that African American uh, leaders, and then they hated his guts, and they were sort of like going against what he was saying. Uh, even on Mercury, a lot of people hated him too, uh, and, and going against what what he was saying. But he had a support system. They had a better support system than us. We're sort of like we want to be cool with white conservative America. We want to be cool with racist America because we even our narrative of immigration too. There's a lot of ableism in there. Oh, there's a lot of very conservative. There's a lot of uh, conservative angle in here. You know, we're keen to work. We, you know, we contribute. To every, you know, so many hours. We contribute like seventy hours per week. We're like that's not really a plus. We shouldn't even go <laughs> to, to that angle. <laughs> you know, if you, you go by compassion and empathy, you know, don't you don't just say that you deserve to be here and everybody else that is struggling in Latin America, uh, you know, doesn't deserve to be here. So, so we have a lot of. Uh, a lot of our dogs now. We have to look into that and, and, and work on that, and, that's and, and and sort of like and give the people the, the, the freedom. You know, even uh, you know, you were talking to me right now. There's certain things that you said. You know that normally in mainstream media or or other people wouldn't say or wouldn't speak about or even bring me on board. Yeah, um, uh, you know, but uh, uh, this is what we have to do to move forward. We can't be talking in platitudes anymore. We have to be nuanced in, in our conversations and the things that we're saying. And, and we have to just just keep on going forward, you know, giving a platform to people who do have the courage to call people out, not just, you know, out white America, but, but us to, to make ourselves better. And that's the thing, like nuance doesn't mean difficult to understand usually. It just means something that has separate pain points and you really have to decide at what point do we need to proceed for something that can move forward and can be lasting or are we going to give in to a cynical ploy that's short that's very short-sighted and usually benefits some specific silos of people that's the thing with immigration is that now we have the right speaking using you know meritocratic qualifiers for these immigrate for these immigrants but then you know the thing that's so ridiculous is that these are the same people who decry the fatalism of the left when it comes to you know the sexual politics you know the sexual violence yeah. that usually is like obfuscated in hopes of preserving mm -hmm. some sort of order i feel like that's the most you know ultimately what i'm dealing with is like a lot of these up-and-coming young millennials who at most just want to be mouthpieces you know political and ideological speed bumps for a change and a progress that is rooted in this country's history because it came mm -hmm. from multiple moments of populism breaking through a narrative and being representative but now because of you know even before um citizens united we've had money in politics post citizens united it's been like not it's, it's beyond money talks we have a president who's a developer a glorified landlord who is basically just a rent-seeking profiteer, and he's our president. Mm -hmm. So straight up, we are in a oligarchic, you know, song and dance, and they're trying to worry about communism, some neo-communism <laughs> that's taking yeah. this country. When in fact, all they want is to exist in their silos, have you know, money paid for by our tax dollars to subsidize those silos silos that basically mm -hmm. make their family members and people that they feel like they're nice with because you know you got to be nice to the serfs 
you know, that they want to have yeah. the power to benefit these people, but they're doing so using public coffers, which brings, you know, if anything, ups their value. And then you have these people who are treating the U.S. government, the federal government, or any sort of taxing power like it's apartheid South Africa. They want to get their taxes out of there. They want to get their money out of there. They're literally mm -hmm. trying to divest from public coffers. It's not for anything moral. Like if, if they came at me and they said, like, we believe that, you know, you know, the first generation of black millionaires should get a discount from the estate tax because we think that's the right thing to do for everything this country's done and everything that they've done for our country and bringing this type of wealth and business, blah, blah, blah. They never approach it from that angle. It's always, you know, tax you know t taxes are unconstitutional i would die before you tax me yeah. and we're like we're just saying like this is just one program we literally yeah. saw yeah. you spend 1.2 trillion dollars without a blink <laughs> and now you're grilling us over people not dying or people visiting a doctor and just reconfiguring the profit motive out of it and making it where it's just a single cost or usually just universally applied and it's been done everywhere. So why is it exactly that you're causing all this huff and puff when <laughs> we're really here just talking about a thing that is? Yeah, I, I, I mean, <laughs> yeah. There, uh, you, you mentioned a few things there. Yeah, when it comes to the millennials and, 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 and the entire thing of being cynic. Uh, you know, there are a lot of them actually that, that within you know, our spaces that, that are very cynical when it comes to anything in progress. And they don't, they don't care to vote or anything. They, they don't even want to get involved in politics anymore. You know, everything is politics. Well, because politics uh, is scary. You know, I get that. <laughs> politics is scary. Yeah, I, 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 I understand that with birth like, so many times as well. But then again, we can't just sort of, like, give in to cynicism, too. Or so, so, like, you, 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 what's the point of anything, man, if, if you're just going to say nothing is going to change? What's the point of advocating for your community if you think nothing, <laughs> uh, 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 you know, no one, uh, that's one of the things too that, that with the Colac culture, that I can say that I'm sort of part of the Colac culture, but I'm not part of the cancel culture. You know, I'm, 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 I'm the, um, I give people sort of like the benefit of the doubt. I give people the, 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 the chance to sort of like redeem themselves and, and make themselves better. Or I'm not, you know, there's, there's other people too within certain spaces that they don't, um, if it's not them, then nobody can be here within uh, these spaces that, you know, you gotta go through them before you can speak about or for the Latino community. I'm not like that. I think we all, all, all we all can have um, a space. We all have something to say, you know, for the most part, people who are informed. Uh, and yeah, we can't give in to that fatalism, you know, because for that, was the point of, of fighting for anything. What's the point of us being out there and trying to better our lives? Exactly, and I think... Uh, what was the other thing you, you mentioned? Oh, I mean, I, I just went on a tangent because I feel that <laughs> what I think ultimately what we're dealing with is a unproductive left who only wants to pull in once there's a superstar but doesn't actually want to deal yeah. with the real people that make up this country, that make up their neighborhoods, that make up their communities, that make up any sort of function in society. They, they you know, in many ways, I in college I used to grill my conservative friends for being so myopic and solipsistic, like they hate everybody, but they alone exist. They, they have this insularity <laughs> about them that they 
that the way they speak is just so insular. But at the same time, I can't even give my left friends the whether they be democratic or however however they identify themselves. A great many number of them can't seem to give a f- to bother to even mm-hmm. know what's going on, and it makes it very easy. And it kind of is frustrating to see them place blame on electorates in different districts that don't vote their specific way, even though it's a very lofty, uncritical, lazy sort of progressivism. And it's frustrating because in many ways I can loosely agree with your goals, but at the same time, when, what, what, comes to, what comes with achieving these great things is, is a lot of work. And you're and you're going against mm-hmm. people who are paid. You're going against people who literally do what we do, but they don't have the funding that we do, and mm-hmm. they're doing their best to do so by, by going directly to the people. They're they're more free market than a lot of the donor class that's making up a lot of these free marketeers who are going on podcasts and creating videos on YouTube that are actually doing yeah. a really good job structuring the conversation for a lot of youth and it ultimately takes them down a very unproductive rabbit hole towards very shitty uh paleo conservative links men's rights activists mm-hmm. and stuff like that which is yeah. the same sort of feedback loop and ecosystem that just only regurgitates these really old obviously invalid mm-hmm. talking points but the problem is they created an ecosystem a sense of belonging that is mutually reinforced and, and and informed by an ideology that used to mean institutional continuity but now it is solely just a counter-reactionary movement to the civil rights act of nine, you know, mm-hmm. 1964 basically some change took place. There was an intergenerational battle. The 70s were crazy because of it. 80s was meant to be like a bombing of it when it was only just like Ronald Reagan, who's like the you know Martin Luther King of white people at that time. Then you have <laughs> Bill Clinton in the 90s who basically wanted to show that Democrats were cool again. You know, oh, don't worry, white people. Yeah. Democrats are cool. Then, you know, we know how that went. Then we had Bush, yeah. and then we had Bush, which just let, you know, which demonstrates a rise of right-wing authoritarianism technological authoritarianism with the right and they are really good at messaging they're really good at media and it's disturbing to think that the left is now given that over to the right and it's a disturbing thing you have you have you have democrats and left-wingers on facebook when facebook is dying but you have mm-hmm. you have these you have these like uh, media savvy conservatives. You know, a lot of them are failed comedians. A lot of them are failed writers. A lot of them are failed filmmakers. <laughs> even though I disagree with him, who isn't like a, a failure had to, is like Ben Shapiro, and even then he's you know he he he'll say something innocuous, which is very rational and logical, but then he he'll throw something random that's incomplete <laughs> and you're like no 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 just because you throw something false and something that's innocuous and rational doesn't make the entire thing innocuous and rational so yeah. it's it's so it's weird yeah. they, they do it all the time i think uh, the left right now as we know as the mainstream left they do it as well there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of myths there's a lot of platitudes that are very around and ben Shapiro is known for, 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 for throwing a lot of myths in there within his arguments, right? So people take those as truth as well. Instead of like, you know, lying by omission or lying by there's a little truth in here and let me just add this in here and just because I'm speaking fast <laughs> and I'm putting all these words together, then then it's true. Uh, yeah, and, and another thing that, that you were speaking about earlier is, is 
sort of like knowing the community and speaking to different people. Uh, yeah, I totally agree, agree with that. That's a lot of us, we, we, we live in this, you know, cocoons of privilege. And, and uh, besides, you know, when it comes to like social spaces for the marginalized, there are a lot of us that we're not exposed to other people, you know, besides the, the, the ones that, that we know, right? And, and, and we, we don't have that sense of urgency that they have, like the folks within our community that are going through some very difficult time when it comes, you know, not getting paid well or they're, they're, they, they, they don't have uh, uh, the, the means to survive, right? We know a lot of us don't have that urgency. A lot of, uh, a lot of us who are paid, who are uh, uh, very much, you know, employed. So we are not exposed to those folks. And even though, uh, e even though we have access to other folks, so we don't want to go in and sort of like be around them because we think oh, they're just being negative, you know, and then we tell them some, some dumb platitude of, you know, if you, if you really, you can make it, you know, if, 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 if you, you know, sort of like dismissing the whole myth of merit, right? This whole merit thing. And yeah. you just work very hard. Paul you know, make it quotes. Through, you know? <laughs> Tony <laughs> yeah, Robin so quotes. Have, uh, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly. If, if, if you can just, you know, yeah, and, and there are so many studies, and and you know what's funny? That a lot of these people get paid, sort of like to fund these studies, and they they still don't apply them to to their work, to their platforms, to their to their a narrative. To me, that boggles my mind. How can you, you know, you have this on the side, and then and then you're not really representative of the people that that you're getting paid for. <laughs> You know, you're not really, really representative of the people that you get in a platform for in the media. So what gives? What are you doing? And, and I know it's like it's fine. It's because, you know, money is involved. I also think it's just you know, operational. Really I think it's just operational. It's all operational. Yeah, you have operation. You, you, yeah. I mean, at the same time, there's operational, which is like sound. But then there's the human side of the operational, which is just people mm -hmm. who are just still around. We're, we're living longer. Uh, the come up isn't what it used to be to any sort of booming enterprise in media or anything else. It would have to be, you know, not just Latinos helping other Latinos, but people of color helping other people of color. And ultimately, mm -hmm. you need to have like a very vibrant integration. After the 60s, there was a pseudo integration. And then that l eventually elevated the rhetoric right now for the lack of merit in affirmative action cases. Because if you integrate, there's this perception that they're unworthy because they were brought upon the battering ram of government. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, and, and, and to that, I said, well, congratulations with that formulation. Good job on you guys. <laughs> but at the same time, there's never been any efficacy with that sort of formulation. You, you have people who may not have the, the perceived merit at that time, but then at the same time, whether their evaluation, testing, or any sort of verification of their knowledge or learning sets or, or competency, at some times, they're not predictive. You can have people who were not the best in secondary school who then thrive and, 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 and blossom. In oh, yeah. And it's just a funny uh, way to... Yeah. And again, it goes back to the fatalism mm -hmm. that they're now employing when... They, they they rip on the left on on the left are using fatalism against their whiteness. They're like, oh, how dare you cast me into into the damnation of whiteness, <laughs> saying that I'm forever evil, forever, <laughs> and then they throw this at us. It's like ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. this uh, within the left too is a lot of. I mean, if, if you get in the media too, you've seen a lot of sort of like white women too uh, calling 
the cops and people of color just for existing or, or working here and there. <laughs> so, you know, and they'll be like, well, aghast if you accuse them of being racist. You know, there are little things like that that, you know, that they do that, you know, they're, even though they're marginalized you know, uh, because of patriarchy, they're very much a part of, of white supremacy as well. It's, it's, it's not a perfect uh, thing for everyone. So you can't, you know, somebody's IQ, for instance, the IQ is this uh, test, it's, it's BS. We know that people have like different types of intelligences and, 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 and school isn't necessarily, uh, you know, how well you do in school isn't necessarily a, a testament of that or how smart you are, you know, because, you know, intelligence is a different types, right? Uh, and then you have the, the merit too within the school system, right? But it's not defined for a lot of minorities. We have, uh, you know, we, we already have that because of, let's say, poverty. You're an immigrant because of cultural racism and racism. Uh, itself, and then uh, within that, then nobody, well, people are always talking about affirmative action. I thought you got here through a quota, but you know, people aren't as angry when it comes to legacy. You, you know, there's a lot of dumbasses that go through Harvard for instance, or Yale and graduate from there. It's just because of the legacy of their parents that somebody was there prior to them, or, or, um, or you know, a donor, you know, gave a lot of money in there so that's why their kids can go through it. I mean, hey, but if someone of a Donald Trump's uh, uh, staff <laughs> right now went through that, it's because their parents managed to pay, sort of like, do it, and not because they have the ability or they the intelligence to, to, to take the, the, the class, to take the course and, and graduate from there. I mean, they just you know, hate poor so people. So it's always angry. Yeah, yeah, but it's a double standard, you know, yeah. like you were saying about values earlier. The values, uh, you know, apply for one thing, but when it comes to us, then no, we have no values in there. Then for us, it doesn't work. For us, it's all about merit and myths of, of meritocracy and rugged individualism, you know. It's weird being first generation. It's, it's weird being a, a Latino immigrant and just seeing people speak of history speak of the past speak of what goes into the wealth creation of this country and it's like they're clinging to a ridiculous narrative that convinces them that they did nothing wrong which is incorrect in some ways but the problem is when you delude yourself into thinking that there wasn't like a preferred track or, or a group of people mm -hmm. where the laws were applied for there are fha loans that we know for a fact were in some districts and some that were not that got better yeah, interest yeah. rates and then you and, and 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 then ultimately what we have is just this need to subsidize the wealthy and <laughs> and, 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 and and it came following this call for just taking to divesting our money from public coffers and the moment that that started to happen was when we started enfranchising black and brown folks the moment the moment there was black and brown citizenship all of a sudden the public institutions were suspect and that's ultimately what it oh, is. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, and that's ultimately uh, what it is. They don't want to see the enfranchisement mm -hmm. of, of, of any of these people. And I think that's what they're doing. Mm -hmm. They're harming them in order to scare them. So at times, and, and mm -hmm. not to disagree with any of the women or the men who do this, but when I see black men and women or, or, or brown men
men and women, whether it be Southeast Asian, L Latino, or whatever. I, when, when I see a lot of them saying, like, I have to move back, I have to go to a different country. Part of me is like, I fully understand. Part of me also thinks like, oh, in some way, that's what they want. They want you to be so demoralized because they don't want you enfranchised mm -hmm. in what they, here, here's the best way to describe it. The, the, the U.S. federal government is good enough for their pocketbook. And they want mm -hmm. to convince you that it's not good enough for you in order to fit this narrative, which is simply you don't belong. You're not going to be enfranchised with us. Abraham Lincoln's yeah. sacrifices were for naught. JFK's sacrifices were for naught. LBJ's plans <laughs> are going away. There's Obama wasn't shit and here's Trump. We're going to clap back fully. So there are these constant reminders of that. Like, yes, I mean, they'll tell you one thing where they say, well, we want... You know, to we want people to to fulfill the full promise of citizenship. We want them fully enfranchised. In effect, what you see was just an in, an increase in the prison state, school to prison pipeline, mandatory minimums, things which just streamline incarceration, and then they target large populations of black men and women, and then they have the audacity yeah. to say, oh. I can't really respect, you know, their family unit. I can't, dis you know, if I, I can only respect those who respect themselves. It's so sinister. It's yeah. so scary. It is, it is sinister. I mean, there, there, there was a great, you know, affirmative action since the creation of the country, you know, when it comes to land, folks that get, have been given a lot, you know, and even through the 40s, 1940s as well, coming back from war, they they're getting housing, they're getting you know, land as well. So they've been benefiting from social services for such a long time until recently, sort of like in the 90s, that's when that rug was taken from under uh, people. And that's because we were getting them. We were getting that help. So that was like Clinton's sort of like call to, to power, uh, to arms. That's when he sort of like leaned Democrats, Democrats to, to, to the right. You know, even though white folks are getting all these benefits, you know, and since our numbers are growing, you know, we're like, oh, you can't have all these brown and black people benefiting from 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 our own tax dollars, <laughs> even though you know we're contributing to 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 to, to the economy and, and you know paying taxes as well. So that's when the welfare reform came around. That's when the prison, you, you know, came around the prison law that that was Biden who who authored it. So, you know, yeah, it was like. You guys are going to be, you guys can be the same as us. You guys, you know, they're, we're demonized for getting help, you know. And the most, the most recent thing right now is sort of like, um, what do you call that, the, the farmers that are getting about $12 billion, I think. Uh, yeah, that bell uh, Yeah, so nobody talks about that. So you guys are practically getting, you know, your own welfare <laughs> type of, uh, you know, social help. And that's the thing. You know, is that, so what do you feel about that? I mean, the way I see it is the fact that it's him cleaning up a mess that he created. And also, I yeah. I see it as him trying to position himself as like a working class benefactor. For, for instance, yeah. uh, uh, this meme I've, I've been seeing around, which is, you know, Obama bails bankers, Trump bails farmers. That, that, there's nothing more potent in the, in, in the imagination of, of the U.S. low information voter than a bougie black ex-president and a asshole from Queens who cares more about you than the well-off bougie black president. 
and it's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's such a weaponized funhouse view. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. But at the yeah. same time, like I can see why it's effective is because you have people who are out there making moves. They're they're they're, they're not talking to people when it's electoral politics. Yeah. Right? They're they're doing this at church. They're doing this at the Rotary Club. They're doing this at the local soccer game. It's it's this creeping subtle reinforcements that uh, that conflate family, patriotism, my local school, the local charity. When you have people who speak so broadly that themselves conflate something wrong with something that belongs to someone else, such as you know their family or anything of that nature. And your misinformed mind is going to conclude only one thing that that you know that Donald J. Trump is your savior, and that he is there <laughs> to make it work for you, and that the you know and and he demonizes the media, which is such a low hanging critique. We have always been critiquing the media for being superficial, yeah, for being yeah. for, for for being very absent minded. He met opportunity with chance, and he pulled mm -hmm. it off. However, he did it. He pulled it yeah. off, and that's something that's off. frustrating. It's frustrating, but it also it was. It, it seems like something that need. It's it, it's something. It's such. It's something that had to have happened to awake these uh, Democrats who are only around during the electoral races. And it makes me sound very Susan Sarandon because she said something like that. She said that <laughs> the revolution will come quicker if Donald Trump's elected. I didn't. I didn't want him elected, but. But now that we're in Susan Sarandon's nightmare dreamscape that she had mentioned, it, I can definitely see why people are, are getting more involved. Albeit, I wish they were yeah. around earlier. But in in, in, in in the Latino communities, it's very difficult because I feel like some Latinos are still having difficulty distinguishing what is theirs and the narrative of none of this belongs to you. Get out of here, immigrant you know something mm -hmm. of that nature and i think that that's ultimately what needs to happen is that latinos need to decide no this is ours now and we have to yeah. we have to be the custodians of these things because it's very clear that there mm -hmm. are divisive groups that would much rather die than have you be enfranchised but the moment you are enfranchised yeah. it's best to speak up and clap back absolutely i mean that's uh, that's sort of like race was created in, the, in this country the concept of race is sort of like you're poor uh, you're, you're poor white, right? But at least you're not black, or you're not, you know, Mexican. Uh, you, you know, so it it it's sort of like, it, it's the reason why a lot of like poor white folks uh, vote uh, against their interest. You know? <laughs> so uh, and more, another thing that you said was the image too that you know there's people out there who actually who are putting in the work and and they're you know on the ground or meeting and, and going out and 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 sort of like talking to the community. And there are others who don't even do that, and they are the ones who get put on um, because of the image as well. They they present themselves a certain way. And yeah, that's always been the case with with us. And I guess humans are sort of like hardwired to to you know for image before anything. So if you look a certain way, if you you speak a certain way, if you present yourself in, in a certain way, then you are going to be a better representative for us than someone who has, you know, the same ideals uh, as me, the same ideas and beliefs, you know, but that person doesn't look like me, that person doesn't sound like me, so I'm not going to support them, I'm not going to vote for them. You know, and one, one, uh, one uh, perfect example of that is, 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 I don't know if you saw the documentary called Primary, it's like, it was made in the 1960s, uh, and that was on, on the primary uh, of, of Kennedy uh, versus Humphrey at the time. Now, Humphrey 
he was uh, very left-leaning a lot more than Kennedy. Uh, you know, and his 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 uh, his policies, what he was putting out there, it was more beneficial to the American people, right? But since he wasn't as good-looking as Kennedy, he wasn't as presentable as, as Kennedy, you know, they voted more for him in the primary. So he won that primary because, you know, he had a certain look. Uh, and we have to sort of like, get, it's difficult to sort of like to convince people to look beyond the outside, the exterior. And so before we go, I was going to say, uh, rather subsessor, is there anything you'd like to plug? Is there anything you'd like to let us know uh, about any of the work that you're doing? And where can we reach you for those of us who want to delve a little bit deeper? Oh, uh, yeah. I, um, well, thank you for having me, for having me on and, and discussing uh, so many things right now. <laughs> Uh, right now, uh, you know, I'm, I have, I'm doing On the Road to Consciousness, which is OPRTC, and, and I speak about what's happening within America at, at the moment in politics, uh, uh, society, culture, uh, pop, uh, any, anything of that sort. And I'm, I'm also uh, uh, an ambassador for Latitude, which is an event at a convention that's going to come out this September 8th to the, to the 11th in San Diego. And that's in, in San, uh, not San Diego. Yeah, it's San Diego here in California. Uh, and it's sort of like a, a massive convention created and, and, and ran by Latinos. Uh, you know, we're going to have a lot of Latino headliners too, a lot of executives, a lot of uh, artists, and, and, and people within the community that are fighting and speaking to the Latino community as well. So, so it, it is the end of the hour. I'd like to thank my guest, Cesar Vargas, for coming on the Guaucast. Cesar, thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for inviting me. And if you, you want to... Thank you so much. And if you want to follow Cesar Vargas on Facebook, Twitter, even Instagram, his handle is Cesar Vargas365. Please check him out. You won't regret it. Cesar, I can't wait to uh, have you on the show again. Thank you very much. Thank you. This episode was recorded at Boston Free Radio at the Somerville Media Center at Union Square. If you'd like to hear the hip-hop music that we're playing on our program, tune in on Boston Free Radio Saturdays from 3 p.m. to 4 p.m. You can listen to the music live on Boston Free Radio. If you are unable to do so, don't fret. We have our Spotify playlist shown early on our Patreon. Patreon.com slash GS Hamlin for your Guaucast needs. Come on in and check out our Patreon.